we have to maintain the right for families to be able to choose homeschooling. And this is why your organization is so very important. And uh, one of the things we want to do here at First Freedoms is highlight groups like yourself, because we want to let everyone know that, look, if we're going to have freedom in this country, we've got to have freedom of choice when it comes to education for our children. And it extends even beyond homeschooling, right? I mean, several years ago, when we had the Trinity Western University Law School case, where you had a Christian university losing out on having a law school because people didn't like the religious opinions of of the university. And so if we're going to have a free society, if we're going to maximize freedom so that we can have as much freedom as possible and yet still maintain civil peace, we need to be able to allow choice in education. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Freedom Feature, and I'm your host, Barry Bussey. With me today, I have Peter Stock, and Peter Stock is the man behind the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. That's Peter, right, yep. Great. Well, listen, it's great to have you here with us, Peter, and I'm just wondering if you could just share with our audience a little bit about you and why you're supporting homeschoolers the way. I got my background, I suppose, uh, in politics on Parliament Hill. I, I went there in the early 90s to work for a brand new member of Parliament, and, and I kind of cut my teeth on the legislative process and a lot of work in that area. I spent over 20 years on Parliament Hill, and it was a great experience. And of course, like many young people through that time, I got married, had kids, and so we considered our educational choices at that time, and we thought we'd give homeschooling a try. In fact, uh, I'll just share very briefly the story uh, of what got me most interested in homeschooling. I went with some friends, this was before I was even married, down to visit Harvard for the weekend. Boston's about a six-hour drive from Ottawa, so we had a long weekend and we thought, we'll go, we'll go explore the city of Boston. We had a friend who was studying at Harvard at the time, who, again, this is the you know early to mid-90s, who told us that about a quarter of the undergraduate class at Harvard had been homeschooled. Wow. What is this homeschooling thing? Wow! So this this was sort of a <laughs> this is sort of a remarkable revelation. And you know, it's true. The Ivy League universities clued into this early on that there was something special about homeschooling. It produced kids who had uh, they maybe were no more intelligent than the average child, but they had an advantage in the educational world. They'd learned self-study habits, and they were motivated, and they had a diverse educational experience, and so on. And mm -hmm. so that triggered an interest for me. So, so when we first started to have children, my wife and I decided, well, we'll give it a try for a year. We'll just see how it goes. How hard can it be with a five-year-old, right? And then, you know, we got to the end of that year, and it had gone all right, and we reevaluated and said, well, maybe we could do it for another year. And of course, that, that leads to the present day where we've continued for many years. Two of our kids are adults now, and they're off to university, and uh, two that are still being homeschooled. So that was our family's homeschool journey. And uh, I, I think you hear a lot of similar stories to that, people who've tried it for a year and found that there was there was real value in it. So Yeah. Well, you know, it's neat because we kind of had a similar experience, although I didn't go down to Harvard. It was uh, because we moved out into the country, my wife decided that she would try her hand at homeschooling. And we did that until the kids completed grade eight at and then they went to a uh, a boarding school, to a Christian boarding school, and uh, finished up uh, the three years and went on from there. And, you know, it's neat because some people that 
they ask, okay, so what do your children do? And I said, well, I got one who's a, a medical doctor, another one who's a lawyer, another one who's a, a pastor. Actually, he's now going into hospital chaplaincy. And she said, are you Jewish? I said, no, I'm not Jewish. As she herself is Jewish. She said, well, you know, my, my grandmother, or she would be very proud to have her children go into those kinds of professions. And, and I think it's a testament to my wife and her interest in homeschooling, but just putting it all into ensuring that those children got the best education possible. And, and, and you know, I can tell you that my son, when he was in med school, there was a time there where he wasn't sure if he was going to be able to complete it. I mean, he's quite happy now he has, but there was just this sense of, you know, having to have the grit to get through it. And uh, he was here at, at our house here just over the last couple of days. And he uh, said, you know, Dad, I learned a lot here. And one was never give up. <laughs> so, so, okay, so you're homeschool, you got four children. Tell us a little bit about the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. Sure. So this is an organization that was founded just a little over 30 years ago. And it was founded at a time when homeschooling kind of fell into a bit of a gray area in the law. It wasn't really addressed clearly in any province interpretations by school boards and truant officers and, and others was, well, maybe this is illegal, or maybe these kids should be in school. There's compulsory attendance laws and so on. And so HSLDA was founded by a core group of very committed homeschoolers who said, we need to band together to hire professional legal help to, to defend our rights. And in fact, they did that. And uh, here we are, you know, 30 years later, homeschooling is legal in all 10 provinces, all three territories in Canada. And that's a testament to the vision of those, those uh, early homeschoolers, uh, many of whom are, are seeing their uh, children and even grandchildren being homeschooling or being homeschooled. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a neat legacy. It may have seemed unusual at, at a certain point in our history, and not, not so recent history, or I should say very recent history, uh, not the last few years, of course. But prior to that, you know, people might have looked at homeschooling a little askance and said that seems like an unusual thing. But in fact, if we rewind a little bit and, and look at Canadian history or even world history before the last 100, 150 years, public education didn't exist. <laughs> right. Everybody right. was homeschooled. Everybody was homeschooled. And, you know, you can look at all the great names of history, the Abraham Lincolns and, and others. They learned at home. They learned at their mother's knee not so very many years ago. So public education is a new phenomena. We're used to it. It's, it's part of the culture in a sense. But we're starting to rediscover some of our roots and we're starting to see uh, the value that um, other forms of education may provide. Private education has always been uh, sort of on the sidelines there and people are aware of it. It costs money, of course. But uh, and, and so not everybody can afford it. Public education has its place, of course, but home education's uh, enjoying a renaissance. Uh, most recently, the last couple of years, a lot of parents have had a chance to sort of reflect on that, uh, maybe try it out. And, and we've actually seen you, you, you may uh, you may not be surprised to hear this. But we've actually seen a doubling of homeschool numbers in Canada over the last two years. Wow. As a result of the COVID experience. That's right. So what do those numbers look like? Across the country, be, prior to COVID, we we believe there were roughly 100,000 students who were being homeschooled. At this point, we believe that number exceeds 200,000. As the public school routine sort of returns to normal this fall, assuming that it does, we may see a little bit of drop off. But We've talked to a lot of families who've started in the last two years. We've interviewed them and we said, you know, 
how is it going? And do you like it? And what challenges do you have? Most of them are finding that they really see value in it. And they're telling us they intend to stick with it for the long term. For many of these families, this is not a temporary situation. This is a fundamental change in direction for for their family, for their kids. As an organization, has your membership doubled at all or has there been a significant increase? <laughs> well, we, we, we've, certainly, we've certainly seen a lot more interest, which is great. Yeah, and the number of inquiries are up. And we actually, in part, to answer the, the flood of interest, we, we started a new website. And I'll just share what it is because it's sure. helpful for families Thanks. that are interested in the subject or have questions. Quite frankly, for those that are, you know, those relatives and friends who are, who are maybe a little skeptical or just don't understand, it's homeschool.today, homeschool.today. And uh, so there's some great videos on there, answers to all the all the questions we get on a regular basis, like what about socialization and can you get into university and, and questions like that that homeschooling families often face. We answer all those questions there. It's a great resource. It's a free resource for anybody who wants to wants to dig into that. Okay, so that's homeschool.today. That's correct. Okay, tell me, why is it that homeschoolers, you've got now your organization as a legal defense group, what kind of cases are you dealing with now? As I mentioned over the last 30 years, we fought for sort of the fundamental freedom to homeschool, the mm-hmm. choice to homeschool, and we've achieved that everywhere now. So that, that's a wonderful thing. So the basic law is established. What we find now is that there are many government officials, whether it's school board officials, social workers, or others, who maybe don't understand the law, or in some cases, sadly, don't necessarily respect it the way they should. And so we deal with a lot of cases where families face investigation, they face they face a challenge from a school board, they face a social worker knocking at their door. And it could be something as simple as, you know, a nosy neighbor saying, hey, those kids aren't in school. I see them outside at 11 o'clock in the morning. They call social services. And, and in fairness to social services, uh, children's aid, they do have an obligation to investigate any complaint so, you know, you, you get that knock at the door. Now, that can be dealt with very easily. It can be simply a matter of, hey, we're homeschooling. And yes, this is part of our daily routine. And yes, the kids go outside for 15 minutes for exercise a couple of times a day and et cetera, et cetera. And that's the end of it. But sometimes that's not always the way it works out. And uh, we have, unfortunately, government officials who take a dim view of homeschooling on a personal level and they don't look on it favorably. Uh, so it, it it can be a real challenge for families who are caught up on some level in social services bureaucracy. Maybe they're in family court. Homeschooling, it's a legal option, but it's not necessarily respected by by all who are in positions of authority. So that's that's sort of the next challenge we have to face. So it's almost like helping the administrative state understand the law, but also understand the importance of homeschooling for the segment of people that have chosen this for their children. Have there been much pushback? For example, oftentimes I think of uh, homeschooling individuals as motivated in part because of religious convictions, may oppose uh, various worldviews, for example, that are presented in public schools. And so they want to ensure that their Christian faith is carried on. And of course, it could could be any faith group. At least my experience has been, it's been a lot of uh, Christians have followed this. And so is there 
a concern within the administrative state that the state doesn't have as much, what would I say, cultural influence on the homeschooling children, if uh, if I could use it in a, a euphemism kind of way. This sense of, how can I say, well, we, we want the children to understand all about the diversity, inclusion, equity, and all of that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a very real danger. It's probably the, the key tension in the world of education, period. Period. Because uh, you do have those on, on one side who recognize the primary role of parents in educating their children, whether they choose to delegate that to teachers in a private school or a public school, uh, that's their choice. And then on the other hand, you have those who see the state as as sort of supreme in, in the life of the nation and aren't really interested in mediating institutions of, of church and family. Uh, they want to have a level of control. They want to indoctrinate. And yeah, that's a very real tension that I think we're going to always struggle with, in at least for the foreseeable future in Western society. Now, has that been something that's been on the increase at all in the last little while? You know, it ebbs and flows. I'll give you an example. And it's been a real boomerang or yo-yo in, in the province of Quebec lately, because we go back, and you'll, you'll remember this case, so we go back to 2015, and the Supreme Court of Canada ruled finally in a case called Loyola. Right. which recognized the right of essentially to religious education, apart from the state's view of what religion is. <laughs> that was kind of a key decision in, in terms of education, generally speaking. Uh, it's, it basically said there is a right to teach as the private school or the parent sees best and not what the state necessarily sees as, as correct. So that was a fundamentally important decision. Two years later in Quebec, the then Quebec liberal government passed a bill that recognized the right of parents to choose homeschooling, which was phenomenal because Quebec was really the last province where we had this incredible tension between the state saying, we want these kids in school and parents saying, no, we want, we want to be able to home educate. And so the Quebec Liberal government recognized that right. They said so. It's the law in Quebec, and, and we're so happy to, to see that final victory. Ten provinces and 13 territories, that was the last holdout. Right. However, fast forward a couple more years, and we've got a different government in place in Quebec, uh, the CAQ. The education minister is somebody who's, uh, you know, I, I think it's fair to say is somebody who uh, had grown up in the education bureaucracy, made his career there. And when he became minister of education, really saw in his view that every child needs to be learning what we're teaching in the public schools. And, uh, and so what he did is he imposed a requirement on homeschooling students that they must write the public school exams in Quebec. So yes, the law says you can choose to homeschool, but uh, if you're going to pass these exams, you pretty much have to use our curriculum and study by it at home. And, and so he basically has tried to impose public school at home in Quebec. Wow. Parents in Quebec have gone on this terrible roller coaster ride over the last mm. 10 years uh, from a place where they were persecuted, quite literally in some places, to having rights to now having those rights threatened again. So so that's that's where that we see the fight at the moment. With those public exams, are they I mean, obviously, you know, if you're dealing with math, you're dealing with language, all that kind of stuff, presumably the homeschoolers don't have much of a problem with, but are there anything specifically that of those exams, when you say the curriculum, 
What is it that they're finding offensive with the curriculum? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I, I don't fear for our homeschooling families writing the math exam or French, English, depending on, on which language they're studying. Where we get into more trouble is, is when the Quebec government, and they're doing this, is, insists on our homeschooling students writing the social studies uh, exams right. because they're based on a very specific curriculum. In fact, they're quite ideological, as yeah. which probably surprised no one. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so that's problematic. So this is the oftentimes we'll we'll hear the use of the term charter values, which of course is not even in the charter, but it's this uh, somehow the spirit of the law or spirit of the constitution or spirit of the age, but really it's the, as uh, Justice Cote and Justice Brown referred to them as the idiosyncrasies of the judicial mind. And I think there's a lot of idiosyncrasies in the administrative state's mind about how the various children of our society are to adopt their views in these social policy matters. And that's that's a real problem. Have we seen pressure, like, for example, uh, right now here in North America, you know, the big discussion is about abortion, for example. Uh, has the state or the province of Quebec or any province been kind of like pushing on those hot button issues? I think where we've probably seen it more would be in the area of so-called sex education, which uh, tends to be really more pornographic and, and uh, valueless. And again, not really education, but indoctrination. You know, we talked earlier about reasons families might choose to homeschool. And in fairness, I don't think that, kind of going back to that question, I don't think that most families would just give you one reason they decided to homeschool. They'd probably give you a basket of reasons, some yeah. some reasons stronger than others. But I would say that is one of, of several reasons why families often choose to homeschool. They're not happy with what they're getting in the public system. They're not happy with what the state is trying to impose. And they believe, quite frankly, they, they can do a better job, that they have perhaps a different set of values. They're not always Christian values. I, I think, you know, you touched on, um, you know, where are homeschoolers coming from? I think I think at one time in this country, probably the vast majority of those who started out homeschooling did fit that uh, sort of Christian category. But we're mm -hmm. seeing a much broader group, much more diverse group of uh, parents choosing to homeschool, parents of many different faiths and parents of, of perhaps no stated faith at all, who just feel like they can offer their kids uh, something better uh, when it comes to education than what they're getting in the public schools. And, um, you know, even even those parents who, who don't necessarily have a strong faith perspective still may object to the ideology that's being pushed right. uh, in the educational right. system. Yeah, I can see that. In fact, I've spoken to some who've, who've made those kinds of determinations and said, look, uh, who are not of any faith and uh, said, yes. you know, they're not willing to allow their children to continue in the schools, in the, the public schools. So what are the key issues for your organization, obviously it's Quebec, it's this, I guess, what would you call it? The secular ideology that's coming in. What are you doing as an organization to combat uh, these issues? So typically we try to stay out of court because we know it's expensive. <laughs> but, you know, when worst comes to worst, we're there. And just prior to that uh wonderful bill being passed in Quebec in 2017, for example, we had just won a case that had gone all the way to the, the uh, Quebec Court of Appeal that defended the right of a father to homeschool his daughter. Uh, okay. We won that one, and, and uh, that's really the last 
major case we've had to fight. And, and of course, as you know, you know, as a lawyer, Barry, um, you know, mm -hmm. going to court, going to an appeal court, going through full trials, tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of dollars. So where possible, we try to avoid the court fight, but we still have a team of lawyers and and they try to resolve issues before they ever get to that point. We try to we try to seek mediation, we try to or, or arbitration, we try to uh, negotiate with whatever authority is is making the challenge. And we find that 90, 95% of the time we're successful. We never have to, we never have to continue on with any sort of litigation, which is which is wonderful. We also do a lot of work at the legislative level too, though. So when there's when there's a problem like we have in Quebec, we're we're in touch with, for example, we're we're in touch with members of the National Assembly. We're in, we're we're working with the minister's office. We're working with opposition politicians, and we're trying to get a settlement that that works for our families at a political level. It's far more effective. It's far more long term often. Uh, because yes, we get it. We can win in court, but if the government comes along and changes the law, <laughs> we, we're starting from scratch again. So, so right. the political solution is the one we really want to see most of the time. We talk about legal defense. We're not just talking about court. We're talking about government broadly speaking, and the legislatures in particular. As most Canadians will know, education is a provincial area of responsibility, and and so it's the provincial legislatures. We need to be influencing. Interestingly enough, there is a very modest federal component to education that we don't often think about. That's on Indian reserves uh, under the Indian Act and also mm. on military bases under the National Defense Act. So we do occasionally have some very unusual situations in, in one of those two places. Uh, they're pretty rare, but typically we're able to work those out too. Working more with the base commander, the local chief, whatever the case may be, to seek a, a resolution to a challenge or a problem. Now, what about on the academic side of education? In other words, the universities, departments of, of the School of Education, are you working at all with professors in maybe doing studies about how well homeschoolers are turning out vis-a-vis uh, -vis the their counterparts in the public school systems? Are there any kind of advocacy work going on there? Yes. In fact, uh, it's. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you asked it because we actually founded, uh, and this goes back a little over 20 years now, a charitable organization that's a sister organization to HSLDA. It's called the Canadian Centre for Home Education. So the website for that is cche.ca. Cche.ca, you'll find a number of studies, some of which we have funded and conducted, and, and many of which come from other uh, academics who are studying in the field. We have, there are some, some prominent academics at uh, universities across Canada who do study homeschooling as, as a matter of course, and, mm -hmm. uh, and are interested in the outcomes. What is completely consistent with all the studies that have been done, as, as you're kind of alluding to, the incredible benefits that come out of homeschooling, kids that just tend to excel in subjects compared to, or academic subjects compared to their um, public schooled counterparts, and sometimes even their private schooled counterparts. Also, Though we we look at we look at material beyond that we look at results beyond that uh, things like career and you know university attainment and uh, life satisfaction and community participation and again you find that homeschoolers on average uh, tend to be more involved 
tend to find more life satisfaction when they choose to go on to university, tend to do you know, exceedingly well, et cetera. So, so yeah, the results are in, the research is being done for over 30 years now and uh, the, the results are solid. So from an academic standpoint, we can really say that homeschooling is not just a viable option because it is a viable option, but it, it is an option where kids can be given the opportunity to excel as well. So it offers more freedom. It offers it offers a lot of benefits for for children. Now I can I can make it sound all wonderful. It's also a lot of hard work for the parents involved. Let's oh, yeah. let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. This, this is not this is not as simple as dropping your kids off at the bus stop in the morning and picking them up at the end of the day. You've got to put some real work into this. It means a change in lifestyle for families. Often means one of the parents giving up an income for the time that their kids are being schooled, and uh, and so that can be challenging. It is it is a lifestyle choice as well as an educational choice. But again, if we're putting our kids first, we find for parents that are able to do it, it is a great option. And again, the academic research backs that up. Watching my wife, I, I mean, yes, there were some things that I taught my kids, particularly when it came to civics, how government works, how the law works and that kind of stuff. And perhaps that's kind of what happened to my daughter in the sense that she's now practicing law herself. It's fascinating. My wife, oftentimes I'd go on business trips with my work and I'd be going down to Washington, D.C. or wherever. And uh, so the kids and my wife would come with me. She would make it a homeschool outing. So there was going to the Smithsonian, going to Gettysburg, going to all of the various historical places and so forth around the United States, wherever I was traveling, or even in Canada, going to Ottawa, going to all the museums in Ottawa and all the rest. So it becomes like an entire lifestyle where you're you're constantly educating your children. Yeah, we, we certainly take the approach as homeschooling families that education happens at all hours of the day and anything unusual that happens can be an object lesson. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, so we, we do the same, Gary. That's that's right. Yeah. So my my kids, particularly my boy, was always making fun of that. Oh, let's go over here so the mom can tell us all about, you know, and, <laughs> and, and so it's become kind of a joke. And uh, but uh, of course, they greatly appreciate it now themselves. But, you know, it's just fascinating when when we open up the world of inquiry and, and having the children to be able to really turn on the curiosity button as it were like how do the how do things work well how does how does anything work and 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 just having them naturally inquire and find the answers it's um, absolutely phenomenal one of the projects my boys got involved in one day was i don't know if it was a tractor or here at the farm but anyhow a, a squirrel or a chipmunk got ran over and uh, next thing you know they were dying dissecting the chipmunk and <laughs> and uh so here it is one of them actually became a physician you know it's like <laughs> it's just uh phenomenal how it all uh plays out and how the experience is so tell me now as um as you're looking to the future, as you're looking to, well, let, let's look at even the present and then the future and look at the trends. What do you see for the future of homeschool in Canada and what does it mean? So so that's one question. And then the, the, the other thing is that I'm concerned with is as an organization, we're concerned with freedoms, our first freedoms, freedom of speech, freedom of conscience and inviolability of the person. What are the trends that we see developing right now in the present and going on into the future? And how is this going to affect our civic life 
as a country? I think we do have an example, I don't want to say to follow, but to, to sort of draw from because the United States, our, our southern neighbor where you know many of our friends and cousins live, has uh, sort of got a bit of a head start on us in this homeschooling area. The, the, the movement kind of started there. I think it's fair to say the modern homeschooling movement did. Canadians were quick to recognize this and start to catch on and get involved, but we're, we're a little bit behind where they are in terms of their development of homeschooling. So in the U.S., you'll see homeschooling levels at anywhere between 5 and 10% in most states at this point. In Canada, it's it's probably half that. You know, it's 25 to 5% of students in a, in a given province homeschool. But give it 10 years, and, and we may be at, at the same or similar levels to the U.S. as well. And so what does that mean? Well, when we look at some of the biggest homeschooling states in the U.S., and North Carolina is number one, North Carolina has well over 15% of the student population homeschooling. Again, the numbers, you know, they may shift around a little as public schools get back to normal and so on. But homeschooling is such a big proportion of the educational uh, makeup in, in that particular state that homeschoolers have their own sports leagues. The NCAA recruits at these homeschooling sporting events. I mean, you know, it's sure. mainstream. That's that's really the best way to describe it. It's just as big as it's, or, or bigger than private schooling. It's, it's a major, major uh, segment in the educational landscape there. And I think we're heading in that direction slowly but surely where, you know, not everybody's going to homeschool. We recognize that. Public school offers some benefits that many parents see as valuable. Not every parent can, not every family can give up an income, et cetera, et cetera. So there's an awful lot of reasons structurally why, why families might not homeschool. But I think an increasing number will. So what does that mean for freedom? Well, I would argue that one of the real benefits of the homeschooling educational model is that these students, these children are raised with what I would call a truly diverse view of the world. They're, they're not being taught along ideological lines that are, are narrow, never seeing another perspective. Uh, our homeschoolers tend to be exposed to a variety of perspectives, a variety of opinions, and uh, they often grow up uh, not just understanding where others are coming from, but respecting that as well. So many of them become leaders, and, and that's kind of the bottom line here. You know, if, if society is going to go in a direction, it's not because it's not always because the majority thinks it's right. It's because leaders decide to lead them that direction. And uh, so we're seeing and I, and I think you mentioned it with your own your own children, but we see it in many homeschool families. Our, our kids often gravitate to positions of leadership in the professions, maybe in politics, the law, etc. But wherever they go, even the trades, they tend to offer leadership. I think employers find uh, maturity and wisdom beyond the perceived age of many of their peers. The benefits that we see in homeschooling one you know one of them is simply this that our, our kids are well prepared for life they're well prepared to offer leadership probably better than many of their peers are and so that that's the difference rather than being a negative which we've often heard over the years about homeschoolers and all the rest of it there's a great benefit that society receives as a result of the hard work put in by the parents to ensure that their children have a very solid grounding on the very basics of 
reading, writing, and arithmetic, right? But also the important role that they are to play in society at large. I'm also wondering here now, what concerns do you have as an organization looking towards the future? Well, for, first of all, you know, we're talking about choice here. We're talking about free choice. So, you know, we're, we're not saying parents must homeschool. We'll never say that. We're saying the parents should have the right to choose that. And we recognize, as I've already said, not every parent's going to choose that. That's fine. But there are groups that don't want to see that choice available to parents. I'm not here to trash teachers. I, I, I know a lot of teachers. I'm sure you do too, Barry. A lot of teachers that I know are, are wonderful people who really want to give in a special way. They want to want to help educate the next generation of kids, and, and they do a great job at it. However, there are other forces that work in, in the educational industry or establishment at large, teachers unions, the leaders of those unions, education bureaucrats, folks who, who are deeply ensconced in the bureaucracy and so on, who have a vested interest, a financial interest really, in seeing the end of homeschooling and in crushing homeschooling and dissuading homeschooling. And they're not quiet about it sometimes. I mean, we had a public schools board association in Alberta. And again, this is not the teachers themselves. This is, these right. are their their leaders, their union leaders, who, who have sometimes very different interests, saying that homeschooling is sort of the knuckle-dragging, abusive, uh, narrow-minded, you know, and they put all this in writing. Like, they're not, they're not quiet about it. They want to crush homeschooling. They want to crush it as a as a legitimate choice. And as I say, they have a they have a financial reason for doing this because when a family chooses to homeschool and they take one, two, three, four kids out of out of the public system, that's a grant that's lost to that school board. And in Ontario, it's getting close to twenty thousand dollars a child per year. So one or two families do this, you've lost a hundred thousand bucks that you were going to pay a teacher or two with, right? So it's not a small thing when people choose homeschooling. And when, as we've seen over the last two years, when 100,000 more students are being homeschooled, we're talking tens, hundreds of millions of dollars in grants that are not going to school boards. They're laying off teachers. This is in a world, by the way, where the school age population is slowly shrinking as a whole just because right. we have such a low birth rate. So, right. so there's a smaller and smaller pie to cut from every year, and we're taking a bigger and bigger slice. So you can see why certain interests certainly feel threatened by the growth of home education, and they're fighting. They're fighting for their economic life, if you will. That's where we're at. So, so this is a challenge going forward. Probably the good news in this is that political class, those who are elected to represent us at the provincial level, tend to still be, I'm going to use the, the general phrase, uh, smaller town politicians. Most provincial legislators represent a fairly small population of people, even in Ontario, where they might represent as many as 100,000. Uh, but down to, you know, PEI or New Brunswick, I mean, most MLAs are, they're representing 15,000, 20,000, you know, right. not a huge number. So that, so they actually know their constituents. They, they, they can have those conversations and they're aware of, uh, in many cases, they're aware of the homeschooling families that are in their community. And so 
they are going to represent those families, you know, knowing that this is a very important choice for their family. They've, they've built their life around it, quite literally. Yes. Um, they've sacrificed financially to make it happen. This is a voting matter for them, right? So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so there, there's a growing impetus on the part of provincial politicians to represent the needs and concerns of homeschoolers, homeschooling families. It's one of the most important defenses we have. I think the other is just simply the fact that as we grow in numbers, as our critical mass uh, grows as, as a movement, the community at large becomes more aware of what homeschooling really is. And again, like I said, the sacrifice that the families put in, this isn't simply like, I like chocolate ice cream, you like vanilla. This is, yeah. I've given up a lot so I can teach my kids. And in fact, it's saving you money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Like, like the education system's costing less. It's costing taxpayers less because we're making the sacrifice for our families. It's very interesting to see that uh, tension. I remember it very well when we were homeschooling our children. And even I find in the Christian community, the, the Christian school system, they want to have students who, uh, you know, for example, if a church runs a school, to have every child in the church go to the Christian school. And I can understand the need to have the extra um, fees, tuition, and so forth. And so it becomes even a challenge within, I've noticed, over the years, even within uh, religious communities, wanting to have their children attend the religious schools and not be homeschooled. And right. uh, so that's that's always a tension as well. I think at the end of the day, we have to come down to, in the, in the practice of law, as you're fully aware, it's always to be the best interest of the child. And what is the best interest of the child? And parents need to be evaluating that in their own families. And for you and for us, it, it was to... Uh, ensure that they had the best education possible. And we felt for us, it was homeschooling. Like you say, it's definitely a life-altering thing in the sense that it's unusual for many families to have other members who are homeschooling because even with us, we were the only ones that basically were homeschooling in for my siblings and then for my extended family and all the rest. And everyone was kind of like, you know, what are you doing? We have to maintain the right for families to be able to choose homeschooling. And this is why your organization is so very important. And uh, one of the things we want to do here at First Freedoms is highlight groups like yourself, because we want to let everyone know that, look, if we're going to have freedom in this country, we've got to have freedom of choice when it comes to education for our children. And it extends even beyond homeschooling, right? I mean, several years ago when we had the Trinity Western University Law School case, where you had a Christian university losing out on having a law school because people didn't like the religious opinions of of the university. And so if we're going to have a free society, if we're going to maximize freedom so that we can have as much freedom as possible and yet still maintain civil peace, we need to be able to allow choice in education. Peter, I just want to thank you so much for being with us. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners today? There's probably a huge amount, but... <laughs> well, okay, you know, yeah. I've got time, but but you go yeah. ahead and, and choose choose uh, one or two or three things that you think, hey, listen. The first thing, as I said, is that, you know, if, you, if you've got questions about homeschooling, check out homeschool.today. Get in touch with us through that website and just pose us your questions. No need to be shy. We want to help people 
to make the choices best for their family. And that's going to be different for every family. We recognize that. The second thing I suppose is that, uh, and we were just, you were just touching on this, Barry, I'll maybe make it more explicit. One of the problems with the public school system that it creates in our society is it's monolithic. It's, it is narrow. It doesn't encourage critical thinking. And what you tend to find with homeschooling is that it really is the diverse option. If you want diversity in society, if you really believe in that value, as, as so many on, I would say, the left claim they do, yeah. then we should have diversity in education. Home education delivers that. It is yeah. diverse. It takes in a variety of educational methods, an incredible variety of curriculum. There are thousands of different textbooks and various curriculum materials that you can choose from. It's overwhelming how much there is, in fact, instead of just the one provincial curriculum that it, it follows a certain pathway. This is all about diversity and truly about freedom. And so if you believe in that, homeschooling is, in fact, going to deliver that option. Whether you choose it for your family or not, absolutely, we need to preserve that, that right to choose in our society. Final thought is simply this. We both touched on this, I think, but above and beyond the educational side of this, and I do I do argue that it's it's a great educational option if you want the very best for your kids. It's also great for families. Our family has benefited. We don't regret, first of all, the income we've foregone or you know, the sacrifices we've had to make. They, we feel they've all been worth it because we've had all this incredible time with our kids as they've been growing. And, uh, and so that's a treasure that we hold dear. We look back on and say, you know, we're so glad we had that time all through those days with our kids that we wouldn't have had if they were off at a, off at a school. So there are an awful lot of benefits to home education. And, and one of them is just growing your family. They grow up so quickly. It's, in, it's unbelievable. It's like one day you're taking them out of the hospital as newborns, and then the next day you're walking down the aisle, you know, uh, <laughs> as they're getting married. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy <laughs> how fast life goes. Well, well, Peter, I, I just, again, want to thank you again so much for taking the time and sharing about your work. And so homeschool.today, that's where we need to go to find out information about homeschooling here in Canada. And uh, I thank you, our listeners, for taking the time to just come and uh, be our listening partners for a while as we've, we've talked about this issue. And you know, as I point out uh, every time, you may not agree with the views that are expressed on this program with me or with my guests, but that's okay because that's what Freedom Feature is all about. We want to have open, honest, and transparent dialogue. And I thank you for taking some time to spend with us. And until next time, I'm Barry Bussett. The fight for freedom consists not only in the legal battles in court, but also in the battle of ideas at the universities and in the media. It takes time, effort, and money to keep on top of the debates for freedom. Your donation allows us to keep fighting for all Canadians. Firstfreedoms.ca